Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. What's going on, everybody? Pat DeBear here, and we are back. It is our first roundup edition of Flame On in the year 2022. Sounding way too much like 2022. <laughs> T-O-O. <laughs> Hopefully it won't be that. Part it's okay. Good. It's 2022 Electric Boogaloo. Oh. Uh, there it is. Come on. Hot shots. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed that sequel, so maybe maybe if it's more like that, then, you know, <laughs> the first go-around, it'll be better. We'll see. It, it's just going to be the scene where, you, where they kick his balls, like, out of his mouth over and over and over again. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> we are back to talk the world of pop culture, or at least uh, just our couple of topics worth of it, and, uh, and, and chit-chat. And uh, tell you what we think about these things. Uh, you've heard the voices already, but let me introduce my fellow castmates. We've got BJ. Hello. We have got Brian. Howdy. And we've got Eric. Hello. And we've got a sleeping havoc in his bed behind me, but Aww. you won't hear him on the mic. Uh, <laughs> we are back. We are chatting here today about pop culture it's what we do it's what we love to do it's uh brings us joy we did not marie condo this podcast we we, we did not uh <laughs> thank you for bringing us joy and put it away it is still here some things are not maybe up to where they need to be we need to you know record some extra stuff and do some more things but i promise we will get caught up on all the stuff that we are uh, we're behind on very soon it's just a, a matter of uh Life has been a little crazy as we've ended one year and entered into a new one. But we are glad that you are here with us. So we are going to kick this off and get this party started right away. We are going to send it over to Eric for our first Tupac. Oh, sorry, not Tupac. First topic. <laughs> like Shakur? Yes. <laughs> He's back, back, back again. Oh, come on, Machiavelli. Let's do this. <laughs> 
Wow, some some uh, some real mid to late nineties referencing right there. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of people that maybe are listening right now, going, "Who the fuck are they talking about?" <laughs> I don't know. Do we have any younger listeners that listen to us? I mean, maybe? most of the ones I know are at least our age, so you know, we don't skew too too young from my from what I know. But if you are a younger listener out there, let us know. We want to know who's out there enjoying our voices coming into their ear holes. All right, made that one awkward. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks, BJ. What? <laughs> Even when I don't do shit. It's your exactly. nefarious influence. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's going to be one of those uh, <sighs> moments. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Eric, what is our first topic today? What are you talking about? Our first topic is Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, Tyra Sanchez is, is here? Yes. Oh, God. No. Everybody watch the... Uh, <laughs> watch <laughs> DragCon. Make sure it doesn't, this, doesn't explode. No, this one is not a bomb. Oh. Uh, it is... The da bomb? 2021. The what? It is da bomb. No, it it is not that spicy hot sauce that they use on that uh, hot ones. <laughs> Jesus, you might as well break out all that in a bag of chips if we're going to keep referencing stuff from the nineties. Come on, bomb.com. <laughs> How uh, rude! Okay, sorry. Now we're going back to the eighties. Poor Bob Saget. Oh, oh, my Lanta. <laughs> I don't okay, even like Full House. You. <laughs> Did you watch Fuller House? No. It was actually kind of cute. Except for one episode that I watched while I was hanging out at your place. Because you were watching <laughs> it. <laughs> of course I was. <laughs> uh, but Tick, Tick, Boom is a 2021 biographical musical drama film. Um, gosh, that is written very awkwardly. Thank you, Wikipedia. Um it's based on the stage musical of the same name by Jonathan Larson um, and tells the semi-autobiographical story about Larson's writing a musical to enter the industry. Uh, the film version stars Andrew Garfield, Robin de Jesus, Alexandria Shipp, Joshua Henry, Judith Light, and Vanessa Hudgens. Uh, and is on Netflix. And it premiered... Boom, boom. <laughs> and it was released on November 12th of 2021 um so jonathan larson if you do not know is the person who wrote rent and this is telling his story before he started writing rent um it's the lead up to his workshop for his musical he was writing called superbia uh, which was a futuristic set uh, musical. Um, and it talks about that and his relationship with his uh, best friend, Michael, and his girlfriend, Susan. Uh, are Did any of you see this? No, I've been told that I need to watch it. I'm a giant rent head for, I mean... I think you all know that. Um, and I think most of our listening audience knows that. And I've heard it's fantastic. 
and that Andrew Garfield did like amazing. Yeah. So Andrew Garfield, basically the year before they started shooting this, found out he got the role and took that year to basically take singing and piano lessons uh, because he was not a vocalist beforehand. Um, even though he had previously won Tony's for plays, um, this was his first singing role. And he does a damn good job um, as he's already won uh, numerous awards, including the Golden Globe uh, for Best Actor for this film. Um, it's also the directorial debut of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, and doing this was kind of full circle for him because... Um, as a kid in college, he saw Rent, which really inspired him. And then he ended up seeing the original staging of Tick, Tick, Boom, which Tick, Tick, Boom, as a musical, was actually put together after Jonathan Larson died. Um, he had performed like a one-man rock monologue version of this, which then was adapted into the three-person show, Tick, Tick, Boom. Um that Lin-Manuel actually ended up starring in uh, in Encores in 2014, I believe. Um, so it's really uh, full circle for him, and he was uh, really connected to the material. Damn, he's he's been on fire the past, like, four months, because uh, apparently uh, one of the songs from Encanto is now... Um, on its way to be the highest rated Disney song. It's been on the built billboard top 100 in the top 10 for like the past two months. Um, and Lin-Manuel Miranda um, apparently wrote all the music for Encanto. So it's just another giant feather in his enormous cap at this point. Yes. And um just about anyone and everyone who knew slash worked with Jonathan Larson or just most of Broadway in general ended up in cameos uh, for this uh, show film. Uh, and it's just beautiful. Uh, the music is gorgeous. Um, and Yeah. I really like it a lot. Um, I've been listening to the soundtrack uh, pretty nonstop the past couple of weeks. Um, his his main uh, hang up in the film is that he's turning 30 and really doesn't have anything to show for it yet. And I remember that that's not that he's gay, but it's, it rings true for a lot of gay people, or at least it used to be a big thing in pop culture that, 30 is death almost because uh, you're no longer young and what do you have to show for your life? Um, yeah, I so think that still it's... rings true. I mean, especially if you are on gay Twitter, but even so, like, I, I think that's a universal feeling because the Western society, American society puts such a focus and a, a value on oh you need to have a a great job you need to have a house you need to find love and get married and have a family all by the time you're 30 and it's like 
you know, back in, this is what, 90, was it 96, 95? Uh, 92. 92. Uh, Well, that, no, it's, it's 1990 is when the workshop was supposed to be done for the, the story of it takes place in 1990. Okay. Okay. Cause yeah. I, I was like, I knew it was before like his rent, I think is 96. Yeah. Um, and he passed the day before the, like the workshop for that. Yes. Um, so yeah, so you're talking, you know, 1990, early nineties, that was the big thing. That was a huge, like motivating factor for everybody. And we're starting to kind of get away from that now. That's not the uh, as big of a factor. It's not as big of a thing in the world where we're sitting there putting that pressure on ourselves. But at the same time, you know, I, Eric, you and I turned 40 last year. Like, there is a there is How still dare that... you, sir. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Y'all tag. Come on. Listen, I wasn't putting myself by myself in that boat, all right? <laughs> But I mean, there's still those those nagging feelings of what do I have to show for for my life? What have I done? You know, and there there are great things that we've all done that that are are huge accomplishments for our life. But you know, I, I think that's a universal feeling of where am I going? What have I done? What have I accomplished? And what is there for me to still do? And and it's tough, but at the same time, and, and it's always the the worst when you look back at an artist, especially that puts together and puts out these pieces of, of art and, and has those feelings and then becomes so celebrated for the work that they put out. I've seen a lot of like backlash and just, you know, disdain for rents as of late, which makes me sad, but I mean, that was a seminal piece of work for so many people in the mid 90s through, you know, I'll I'll say probably at its peak through like the mid 2000s. So it's it's tough to it's tough to watch that story unfold for somebody else because you can find yourself so much in that in that same piece. Yeah, and. I think there's something in there for everybody, even even people who don't necessarily like rent, uh, because Jonathan Larson, one of his biggest influences is actually Sondheim. Um, so it's that whole other side of uh, Broadway, almost. Um, there's even a song in Tick, Tick, Boom called Sunday, uh, which is set at the diner where he worked, which is complete which is an homage to the act one finale of sunday in the park with uh george um and um sondheim was his mentor um in the later half of his career and uh the movie even ship even has one of the original voicemails that stephen sondheim left jonathan larson in it um And so, yeah. Interesting. But it the movie's amazing. It's getting lots of awards buzz. Andrew Garfield's getting so much awards buzz. Um, so hopefully it'll be up for Oscars. 
in the next couple of months. Um, but it is out on Netflix, so everybody go watch. Tick, tick. Boom. What would you flame rate it? I mean, obviously, I'm going to assume that it's high because you've spoken very highly of the movie. But in a, yeah, I, in a flame rating. I'd give it a four and a half out of five flames. Oh, all right. Very good. I, I, I need to get around to watching it. Uh, like I was saying before, it's it's been recommended to me highly. It's been spoken about so highly. I just have not gotten a chance to watch it. Maybe I will get around to that this weekend. So, if you're out there, you got Netflix. Give it a give it a watch and check out Tick Tick Boom. All right, let's throw it over to Brian so we don't have to change uh, the streaming platform that we're on. <laughs> oh, I was like, wait a minute, what are we doing? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's always such a pain when you got to go from Hulu to Netflix to HBO Max to Paramount Plus to Disney oh, Plus. Peacock now, Apple Plus. There's just too many of these damn things. Girl, I refuse to pay for Peacock. I have not put, I've not checked out Peacock yet, but I've heard that there is a free option. Yeah. So, like, I will just watch that with commercials by all means because I'm not paying for another thing. So, I pay. I pay like five a month now. I just signed up. This is very recent. And that has commercials. So I don't know this free option people talk about. Uh, well, some cable the, services do. It's mostly, it's mostly for, commercials. Oh. What they do is for the free option, they'll let you watch like the first episode of a lot of series. Oh, so that's it's just, some, that's it's just bullshit. Like, it's, just like, it's just like a quarter of their content and, yeah. and just enough to give you a taste and hook you. The first just a little taste. <laughs> classic drug dealer uh, thing. So um, I will talk about Peacock later because I have a one up that is related, but my uh, pick this month is actually on Netflix, as Pat said, and it is this uh, show that you might've passed by. You might've dabbled in. I don't know. It's called archive 81. Um, it is a mystery sort of genre. Uh, I mean, very genre in that it's like, you know, about, intergalactic interdimensional alien cults and crazy shit that happens um but what i love about it is uh partly is it's a podcast they they actually started as a podcast back in 2016 and a couple different podcasts at that time were doing this kind of um mystery uh fiction audio drama um uh, black tapes is the one that I listened to back in 2016, and it's yeah, that's what that's what when I was watching the first episode, that's what it reminded me of a lot. So yeah, much. just the black tapes, and it just keeps going. There's there's stuff about sound and ancient religion and you know Wiccan and uh, whatever. It, it, a lot of the DNA was just common. It was in the zeitgeist, as they say, back in 2016. So. Uh, this just came out, uh, produced by, um, oh God, the name of the company was interesting. Mad, mad robot or mad atom- atomic, not, not, uh, what's his name's company? Not, uh, not bad uh, robot, not bad robot. No different one. But, um, uh, the show, uh, was re- adapted by Rebecca Sonenshine and she's done, um, a couple interesting pieces. Like, uh, it was like for, for the boys, like not, not a whole lot, but, um, she actually got brought on by Netflix to adapt this podcast. Um, the podcast was actually by uh, these guys, Daniel Powell and Mark Solinger. Um, and they actually made it while they were working in public radio. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, radio nerds, right? Um, 
And the original show was sort of done in this weird found sound, found audio, like, you know, one of the characters would record stuff on tape uh, and and just kind of report on things. And then there was a, a MacGuffin sort of thing that drove him. And then there was this thing at the end with a twist um, that uh, that we won't spoil, or, uh, spoil. But ostensibly, it is about the restoration of these videotapes that were shot in the mid it was mid eighties or nineties. No nineties, mid nineties. Yep. And in and around this building, a uh, fictional building in New York called the Visser. And the Visser is this like typical New York apartment building, very storied history, you know, whatever, uh, find out lots of things about it over the course of these uh, episodes. But um, there's this protagonist um, in the, in the show uh, that is uh, Melody Pendris. And she's a filmmaker herself. She's trying to document life at the Visser, but she's doing it for a reason. And she's trying to basically find out who she is. She thinks her mom lives there. Her mom gave her up uh, for adoption when she was young. Um, and then uh, the whole cast of characters around her in this building. Um, the that's, that's the tape. So the content of the tapes that are being restored by the main character, I guess sort of the main protagonist or the other protagonist, Dan, who is in like modern times. Uh, so you get these like overlapping narratives of both time periods. And it's, it's through that lens of, Oh, I'm restoring the video. Um, I'm cleaning up a tape. Okay. Now I'm going to play the tape. And on the podcast, they would sort of do that fun, like, you know, audio distortion and all that. And the in the Netflix series, they do a little bit of that. They definitely play with the different media, um, but then they kind of pull out so you don't have to spend your whole time watching Blair Witch style content. You know what I mean? Cause that can get, uh, jarring or whatever for some people. So they, they pull that narrative back and you, you're just there in that scene. Um, but, uh, it's, it's, it's an odd, uh, story as far as like that narrative back and forth, but it works certainly given that it's like sci-fi fantasy whatever genre it, it, the, the the lines of reality blur a lot uh between the the two timelines between the characters i mean it's not a big spoiler to say that the that our two main leads of the show do eventually interact go figure um there is a delightful best friend of the 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 archivist dan um played by mamadou athi who I'd never seen in anything and both him and Dina Shahabi, who is the, the female, uh, the Pendris character, like they're both amazing. They're really fun. I really, I like their performance. They're, they're the melody character. You kind of have seen before um, the Mamadou uh, as Dan, the way he like, he's got this gruffness that I have not seen as much lately. Uh, and I, I like that. It was kind of interesting and refreshing. Um, he doesn't take a lot of shit kind of that, that kind of thing. But, um, the, uh, the best friend that Dan has is played by this, uh, guy named Matt McGorry. And you've probably seen him if you watched Orange is the New Black. Um, he was on that as, uh, John Bennett, who I don't, I, I watched very little of Orange is the New Black. So I don't know if that registers and you guys remember. He, yeah. He, he, he was one of the prison guards. Yeah, yeah. He was Daya's baby daddy. Okay. Good, good, good. So totally different look in this series and i think all of us will appreciate that a bit more he was um he was a men's health like writer and workout enthusiast and all this stuff and as an actor and all that and i guess during the pandemic he basically said you know what this isn't good for my mental health 
I'm not going to push myself as hard to look as chiseled and you know, whatever. And so the version of this, you know, the, 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 who he is now in the series, he's just this light, nicely rounded, uh, bearish, light cubbish figure. And he's, yeah. uh, he's, he's much more attractive. Let's just say that he's always attractive either way, but I, I find him, uh, more pleasing on the eyes at least yeah. <laughs> for what, for what it matters. It doesn't, but, um, it was an interesting story though, to find out a little bit about why he went away from the, um, you know, hyper masculine, uh, figure, uh, workout thing. That's, that's like a whole story there, but, um, he runs a, it's kind of crazy. Like, so there's the tape restoring, there's the filming of this thing in the nineties. Then there's this like podcast that this, this character runs and it's a mystery podcast. But as you can imagine, that's kind of how I think the, sh- the, the podcast itself got framed, you know? So a lot of levels, a lot of like narrative sort of things happening there. They don't go too crazy with that uh, element, but um, I don't know. It was really cool. Think Stranger Things, but um, less about children or, or high school in the eighties. And you got a vibe there, similar X Files, all that good stuff. Um, the 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 big bad, the demonic figure has got a kind of Cthulhu esque uh, thing going. Uh, I don't know. Did anybody else uh, watch this? Um, I only watched the first episode, but I liked it. I just. Um... The first episode, at least, gave off a little bit. I mean, and he even made a joke about it. The best friend did, but a uh, very shining type situation. Oh, going on. Yeah, because they uh, basically take this Dan character, uh, uh, the this rich you know company executive, is like, I want you to restore all these tapes. I'll give you a thousand, thousands of hundreds of thousands of dollars, but you got to go off to this cabin in the upstate New York woods, and you can't be bothered and you got to do it all there and uh, don't go crazy. Oh, by the way, we gave you a mental uh, alert, uh, like a a health alert band. So you can press that at any point and we'll send, we'll send help. It's like, uh, what? Yeah. I like, uh, I like that reference there, but, uh, I don't know. BJ, did you watch it? Um, I watched, I watched the first two episodes. It definitely gives me this sort of like, uh, black tapes, cryptid stranger things vibe. Uh, I'm very interested in, uh, I'm gonna, it's, it's my new, like, dark show to watch between, like, my, like, more lighthearted shows. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm very, I'm very excited. And you were spot on with the Black Tapes reference, because it also gives me a little bit of, like, SCP vibe. Um, so, yeah, I'm very, I'm very excited to see where this goes. It, ma- it makes me think of, it actually makes me think a little bit more of, like, a modern day Conjuring, kind of. Okay. Or um oh no, um Sinister. Uh if you saw that movie, mm. it makes me think of Sinister because that had like a center uh centered around like a demonic sort of cryptid cryptid figure um and a lot of his uh um methods of control and infection were through like old video recordings or old uh tape recordings or sound sound-based things. So yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to to watch it. I I need something a little bit more sci-fi and creepy. Yeah, it's it's definitely in that wheelhouse. I would definitely or I would recommend if you're watching this, watch it at night. Watch it in relative dark conditions and have yeah. your um, stereo up or your your stereo your your sound bar, whatever <laughs> audio system you have. Like, there's a lot of sound design that I noticed. A lot of interest, like the 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 scoring and the sound design work really closely together to give you this unnerving like skin crawl inducing soundtrack 
that again is just seamless with what's going on in the show and as the different levels of reality as far as like the tapes and all that interplay with that it's pretty cool like as a technical achievement i think that's what i i've really enjoyed but the cryptic cryptid cult uh stuff that follows from it and the and the, like you said the whole tape transmission of uh the sort of the idea it, it reminded me of the weeping angels let's just let's do a whole doctor who thing real quick so the, the image of an angel is an angel thing you know there's yeah. a little bit of that at play down into it um the idea of this creature being sort of an infection an infection but bleeding out of this other reality sort of the upside down kind of concept like like even with the stranger thing, how the upside down, there's all this like decay and mold and stuff. That's kind of a, a part of this too. Like some really cool stuff out in the zeitgeist that people I think resonate with for whatever reason, <laughs> you know, <laughs> wish fulfillment of, of a Cthulhu like entity. I don't know. <laughs> some people are into it. Um, oh, and there's sexy times. Uh, there's definitely a, a little bit of a sexy cult uh, thing going uh which i thought was uh, interesting i don't is that in the first episode i don't know maybe it's not i don't remember now it all bleeds together you'll binge this really quickly too if you got time on your hands which who does these days right um <laughs> you'll you'll be able to knock it out quickly it's like i think like 10 episodes um like any other netflix show they're really trying to bait you with the cliffhangers and oh wait what's that mean so um if you're susceptible to those uh time uh time holes <laughs> Uh, maybe maybe don't watch it but no it's it's really good and they're they're confirming i think uh they said there's a there's certainly a setup for a second season i believe it's done very well for netflix i don't know if they've officially announced a second season but it's pretty probable we're getting another season of this so uh and i have heard that the podcast uh is is interesting i will say they, they definitely have changed some stuff i have not listened to it but um some friends of mine have and they said it was if you're going to watch the show first and you go to the podcast, you might be a little disappointed. Um, but, uh, you know, that's still cool. I like seeing a lot of podcasts, like a lot of these audio fiction things have been adapted lately. Uh, it's, that's kind of cool and makes me wish flame on had been an audio drama. <laughs> when, when we started this way back, we picked the wrong, uh, no, I don't know. Um, anyway, it was, it's cool. You should check out uh, archive 81 when you have uh, time and a Netflix account. Or start a commune of uh, passwords and share with somebody. I mean, we don't we don't condone that at all. Of course nope. not. Nope, I Netflix. didn't say I had to pay for the account. I just have to have access to it. I mean, you know, just saying. All right, so that's Archive eighty one. I'm definitely going to check it out. I just have not gotten around to it, so i might have a, a jam-packed weekend full of tick tick boom and archive 81 in my future we will see what happens as i continue nursing my ankle and pray that it doesn't fall off all right y'all now we're in the back half of the topics for this episode i am gonna go next <gasps> i know right gasp gasp gay gasp <laughs> I miss Jocelyn Fox. She needs to do more drag and do more stuff. Gasp. So my topic is one where I am actually a little bit kind of mixed about. There are things that I enjoy and things that I'm not uh, always so keen on. So I feel like this is a great topic for us to chat about. And I think that uh, a few of us have seen at least a couple of episodes. I am talking about Peacemaker. 
Peacemaker is an American television series created by James Gunn from the twisted mind of James Gunn for the streaming service HBO Max, and it's based on the DC Comics character Peacemaker. It's the first DC Extended Universe television series, and it's been off from the 2021 film The Suicide Squad, not to be confused with Suicide Squad from 2016-ish, maybe? Yeah, I think it's 2016. We don't know her. She doesn't go here. Sad part was that at Trivia last night, the anagram was uh, the subtitle from a 2016 blockbuster, and it was Dawn of Justice. And I was like, oh shit, that came out in 2016? Mm. Anyway... Uh, set after the events of the film, the series follows Jingostic Kill. Uh, that is a new word for me. Uh, Christopher Smith, aka Peacemaker, as he joins Project Butterfly, a black ops squad that targets extraterrestrial parasitic butterfly like creatures. The series is produced by the Saffron Company and Troll Court Entertainment in association with Warner Brothers Television, with Gunn serving as the showrunner. And I know for the first couple of episodes, he believe wrote and directed the episodes as well. So we've got John Cena starring as the title character, reprising his role from the Suicide Squad, with Danielle Brooks, Freddie Stroma, Chukwudi Iwuji, Jennifer Holland, Steve Agee, and Robert Patrick also starring. So this is they were pretty tight lipped originally when the Suicide Squad came out. Because we all knew that a Peacemaker show was greenlit for James Gunn when Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad, was uh, getting ready to be released. But then the towards the end of Su- the Suicide Squad happened, and Peacemaker was in a spot where you really didn't know how they were going to continue on. And then they kind of made it so at the end and you know put it in a spot where it could have been either it could have been a prequel it could be a sequel and they went uh with the continuation of a storyline from the movie it is a it's very much in the same vein of the suicide squad it's very much uh this type of james gunn property the gore the uh (laughs) wackiness the storytelling all are there and present whether or not that is your cup of tea that is a whole other thing i'm not a huge uh gore type of person i don't always mesh with these kinds of films the suicide squad there were points where i was like this is a little bit over the top for me like this is a little much And Peacemaker so far has not. I've watched the first four episodes. We're recording on uh, Thursday night. So the next episode released today. I have not obviously seen that just yet. But um, overall, it's a very interesting program. I have found that I am less enthralled by the Peacemaker storyline, which is a little odd for a show that's titled Peacemaker. (laughs) But some of the side characters have really got me invested in the show. Um, This is also kind of how I felt about Orange is the New Black. And I feel like there's another show that we've talked about on this podcast where the main character was my least favorite part of the show. 
I think it was weeds. I remember us a long time ago talking about weeds. And it wasn't that for me because I've never seen weeds. And that's that's that gives me the exact same feeling as it gave me. I was going to say Orange is the New Black gave me the exact same feeling as weeds where I'm just like, why is the main character so dumb? Well, <laughs> it was also from the same person, the the creative team uh, <laughs> that did weeds did Orange is the New Black. But yeah, it, Piper was like the, the central focus of the show and the main storyline. And I felt more connected to the side characters. And that's kind of how I feel about this show. It is a very, it's an odd take on it in the respect of Peacemaker was set up to be that character that you couldn't stand in the Suicide Squad. What? And I couldn't. <laughs> like, <laughs> it it would have, like, I would have possibly been on board for the show if it had been a prequel situation. And we, fa- because, and we started to find out why he was such a dick? Because I would have been much happier had he actually died in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but um, unfortunately, it didn't happen. So, I mean, I haven't been interested in watching the show as of yet. But See, I w- if I were you, I'd watch it for the story and the rest of the characters. They are trying to make him a sympathetic and an empathetic character. And it's happening a tiny little bit for me. But again, I don't care as much about him as these other characters that are in the show. See, I see the funny thing for me is I find him more compelling in the show because in the show, like the the Peacemaker's big thing throughout the whole of Suicide Squad is he'll literally murder anybody if it means america's best interests are secure and peace is achieved he'll do it and throughout the movie he pretty much does that like he but there's like this weird sort of like he 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 does what the people in charge tell him to do and for the for the interesting thing is rick flag is pretty much almost the exact same thing except he's more charismatic but then spoiler alert for the suicide squad but then when peacemaker kills rick flag I th- the funny thing is in the show he has experienced like some form of remorse for I think the first time in his life and it's interesting to watch him kind of like freeze and have issues killing people unless they're directly trying to murder him um but but you're right Pat it's like a it's a it's super slow it is like inch by inch you can see like him kind of resisting it not understanding it because he's an idiot. He's he's a he's a big dumb himbo and for the life of it he doesn't understand what he's experiencing. And that's that's the interesting thing for the character to me is just the sort of like I have feelings and I don't know what to do with them other than being be an asshole. Um but the but the the rest of the cast though plays off of it so wonderfully and in all honesty, everybody in the show kind of sucks. Every, every everybody, with the exception of um, uh, what's uh, um, I almost don't want to spoil it, but Leota, Leota, yeah, Le- Leota is Leota and her wife are like the two that like, as of right now, don't really suck as people. 
they're kind of they're decent people whereas everybody else is like a bunch of murderers and just don't have any empathy for anybody else so it's it's interesting to see like the king asshole of these other assholes kind of just be like crap feelings hate it and i love vigilante even though i feel like i'm supposed to hate him (laughs) yeah vigilante is probably my like second favorite um human (laughs) character he's so cringy he's the he's the cringy he's that cringy guy that thought it was cool to like do all the weird he would like follow around the per i have the perfect term for him he's a dick writer so when I was in high school, I mean, most I don't of, know most of our audiences, but <laughs> well, no, that's a different no. thing. <laughs> Every, we've all had bullies in some form, whether or not in our adult lives or growing up, even straight people have bullies. We've always had bullies. And then you have like that one person that's like right there next to them. That's like, yeah, uh, th- like, like, a like a, like a, a 80 movie, eighties movies villain that has a girlfriend and the guy's like, hey, this is our side of the mountain. And, like, the girlfriend's like, yeah, baby, you tell him. That person, that little, like, shitty hype person that hypes up the bully, that is kind of what Vigilante is. Yes, like, from what wants- we've seen of him. <laughs> yes, the thing so is that he's not, because he's almost just as bad from what we've been told. Oh, yeah, he's insane. He's insane, but he's... a he's a murderer he's wanted for these murders like it keeps getting told about what he's done but what we see is this kind of like bumbling idiot yeah and it's it's kind of endearing because we've all had that person we've all at some time for somebody been kind of that we care too much about that person when they don't really care about us. You know, like if you've ever liked a person like that, you've been romantically ad- attracted to and you're the one who's like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go do that for you. Or, you know, yeah, I'll do this. I'll do that. And then that person's just like, hey, if you watch how I met your mother, where they talk about being on the hook, Vigilante is on the hook for Peacemaker. <laughs> he, yeah. He is the hooky and Peacemaker is the hooker. And that's really accurate. Yeah. And that's really kind of how their their dynamic is. <clears throat> Especially after um Peacemaker lets Vigilante be tortured. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. When I'm not uh, gonna give you shit. Gives a little. <laughs> exactly. And then their car ride after that and the passive aggressiveness that Vigilante puts out there and says it's not being said a certain way or it's not being snide or whatever. Like there there are those points when you start to realize a little bit about the fact that you are you're on the hook. Um them giving him a, an abusive father emotionally and physically, who is also a major racist, um, was a twist that I didn't need. You know, again, like I, I and I get it. I understand that maybe it's just not in my realm to like care as much, but it's working for you, BJ. You're seeing that sympathetic and empathetic character. I think in episode four, there's a bit more of a backstory into kind of why 
I don't think the first three episodes, and I think that's where you said you were at, um, it doesn't dive back into his past as much, but they go into it in four. Um, well, but- I, I was going to say, I, I did see the part where his dad is in jail, which honestly, terrible things happening to the father is like my favorite subplot, subplot of the show. <laughs> it's just but- so weird seeing the T-1000 old and in jail like that's just so weird it's it's weird but like my thing is like as soon as they dropped his like villain name i was like oh no because i have read at least one or two dc comics where white dragon was in there and i'm like oh no they have literally made him the worst dc villain ever and and like he's just he's just the absolute terrible terabad worst and um it it it's weird because like you have peacemaker kind of developing this sort of weird empathy and then you have his dad which is just irredeemable and but you, but he he wants his father's approval and that whole situation is just so gross Oh, he and just wants just, to be loved. Like it's not he, even a matter of approval. He just wants to be loved. True. And I and I get that. And you can see, you can see where, you can see where how he is is a byproduct of him just wanting to be loved and accepted. Yeah. And his dad does not accept him. And I think no. I think in episode four he actually like flat out tells him that he does not care about him at all. So to grow up with that. It's, oh yeah. There there's a whole thing with he had a he had a brother and the brother was the one that uh his father actually loved. Like it's it's really it's tough because what's the easiest way to make an unlikable character sympathetic? Give him an even more horrible <laughs> parent. <laughs> give give drop the bomb of somebody even worse directly and, tied to them. <laughs> exactly. So like I get it. I just don't care as much. I want to enjoy the other characters. Leota and her wife and their dogs. Um, <laughs> have you? Did you see? I think it, it might have been in episode three where they're um, Leota and uh, oh goodness, what is her name? You mean you mean Leota's wife's vagina? Yeah, oh, I saw that. yes, we all saw <laughs> we all saw her vagina. Um, Harcourt, Harcourt, and Leota are talking, and she, uh, Leota is kind of trying to show, like, express the fact that Peacemaker just wants that appreciation and yeah, uh, and acceptance. And Harcourt makes the comment about dressing up when you dress up a dog, like, do they like it because they like it, or do they like it because? Or she goes, do you pet him when after you dress him up? And she goes, yeah. She goes, so then does he like being dressed up or does he do it because he wants the attention and the affection? And then when yeah. they're, when she's sitting at the table with uh, with her wife and she looks over at the dog in the, in the costume and it just all kind of clicks, it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's in a little guitar costume. <laughs> no, that, and that's why I like, I like Hartcourt so much. She's like, like I know she's supposed to be like that badass bombshell, but I love 
every little dime she drops. And I, I will go ahead and say this. I do not want her to fuck Peacemaker. If she never does, I will love her forever. Like, cause I see these moments where she's looking at him like, the fuck is wrong with him? And then she's, but then she's like, she's noticing the empathy building in him. So it's, but I, but I definitely, I'm glad we get more of her and, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, for that were in the suicide squad. They were the analysts. Steve Agee's, um, uh, John Economos. Cos- Cosmo, Cosmonos. What is it? Economos. Economos. Yeah. I like, <laughs> just call him died beard. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh oh no. i love that died beard i i i love him as this kind of sad sack like hanging around and just uh but but i also love the fact that out of everybody in that fucking town <laughs> he shifted all of like the the uh evidence and information to on that first fight with uh with Pe- peacemaker's hookup um that he picked Peacemaker's dad. And I thought that was the funniest shit <laughs> ever. That like the whole dynamic, the whole team dynamic is so fucked up, but it's so funny. I think we're all burying the lead here a little bit. So the opening to the show, the, the, the intro dance. That was going to be next. That when we talk was... about all of the homos that will be dressed as Peacemaker this Halloween oh, God, and reenacting no. this opening sequence. I, will never skip this opening ever. Right. Ever. I skipped it three it times. <laughs> so good. I so, love it. I didn't believe that this song actually existed. <laughs> I thought they wrote this for the show. No, it's a real song uh, called Do You Want a Taste? <laughs> and this soundtrack for the series, by the way, there, I think, I mean, there might be a, uh, there might be like a score or whatever, but these are all real songs. James Gunn does finds the right songs or works with people uh-huh. who finds like amazing. Everything he does always has a great soundtrack. So the, the soundtrack for the show is immaculate. I love it. It's eighties hairband nonsense. Wigwam is the name of the group. May or may not be an appropriate, uh, problematic name. I don't know. I don't know their background, but do you want to taste it? Is a real song by Wigwam. The choreography. So I read a little bit about this. First of all, the person who did the choreo is Carissa Barton. Who is that? Does anybody know? Probably not familiar to you, but you know her husband. And the reason this is this is the greatest part. So he wrote this choreo. Um, I think James Gunn was like, we want choreo that our actors can do that. They're not dancers. They just, you know, basic stuff, but fun, you know, and probably, you know, so talked about the design of it and how ridiculous and all that. So Carissa had this, it was during COVID, uh, you know, did the choreo, didn't come to the set, had her husband work there and do stand in like as to, to demonstrate the choreo. Her husband is Alan Tudyk. Oh, of course. So Alan oh. Tudyk of all of the things that we love, uh, wash from Firefly, you know, whatever, like got, did this choreo, uh, got to like stand in and do this stuff. So that is just already a delightful little, you know, Thing there but which that makes me voice. wonder why he's not the voice of eagerly oh my god well you know what who is the voice of eagerly does eagerly have a credit i don't uh, think i don't think there's a voice actor for eagerly alan tiddick he uh, shows no, up in those me, weird ma'am 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 
Uh, D. Bradley Baker voices Peacemaker's pet Eagle Eagly. Oh, gosh. Wikipedia's got it all. Also, (laughs) if you have not watched episode four, do not go to the Wikipedia page and start reading because it gives away the huge reveal. Oh. Just throwing that out there. Um, Watch episode four, and then you can go to the page. I need to uh, get caught up now. I've only I've only watched first two episodes, by the way. Just putting it out there. Have not skipped the intro either time. I do think <laughs> they do they they have cracked the way because I hated him in the Suicide Squad movie too. I I don't have any uh, opinion about John Cena other than just knowing of the name. I never was a fan of his when he wrestled or anything he's been in. I don't have a thing for him. I do appreciate that they showed his ass in the first episode. I mean, who Wait, wouldn't, I, right? I, I, I want to flashback. I feel like we should flashback to the last time we talked about the Suicide Squad. I was pretty sure you said that you could not stand John Cena. Did I? Well, no, I, I know what like, I'm saying. I couldn't I stand him. I, I mean, oh, I, no, no, right. no. I, 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 I thought you were just talking about him, him in general. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry. Him in general, no issues. Him and Suicide Squad also, I did not like. Like, as I, I you're meant to not like him. It, 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 I'm saying that it worked. That I don't like him. I did not like him. However, in this, in the first two episodes, I think they have found a way to show his vulnerability, to show how much he wants to be loved. I mean, the fact that he went back, I mean, slight spoilers, after the uh, the hookup that went sideways, to say the least. He goes back, he like steals a bunch of her, her vinyls, goes back <laughs> and plays, I forgot what song it was, but like, and just breaks down and cry. Like, that's a that's there so you feel for this character. I mean, he's meant to be sympathetic, but like I think we've seen in the later episodes, which I'll get to, and even before that, like he's a flawed character. He's been so much bad shit has been baked into him by his father, and he's an idiot. He's an idiot. So like it's it's that likable dunce sort of thing they're trying to work with, and it's it's interesting. Vigilante, I. I only saw a little bit. I mean, you see him out of character. You see him out of costume in the first uh, episode, right? Um, yeah. He works at the restaurant or something. Um, <clears throat> so you get a taste for like who this guy is going to be. But I already love him. I already think he's that lovable. You hate him, but you love that he's like this uh, sidekick. He's a sidekick, classic sidekick, right? Uh, to to the craziest John Cena, and he obviously loves him, and it's this whole buddy bromance thing. I love the scene too when they're sitting in bed together with the woman, and they're they just had sex, evidently. Like, oh possibly, my god, I was in tears. Teamed. I'm kind of surprised they didn't give us any of that, other than the the post coitus scene. I mean, not like <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's an HBO uh, Cinemax, whatever. It's 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 you can do whatever you want almost. But um, I, listen yeah. for that scene. I'm just mad that it wasn't her husband. Oh right, okay. That oh, is yeah. Her. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that no. would have made it. That would have paid off that entire scene so much yes. better. <laughs> yes. Is if they had well, panned to the wife, and then panned to the husband, and I'd yeah. have been like, "All right, he fucked them both. He dicked them down good. Like that was their payoff." <laughs> Do you from... think it was? I mean, I don't know if they were. So there's like this sort of implicit romance, bromance plays on homosexual tendency kind of thing going with with vigilant vigilante and i wonder if that's why they said no it makes more sense to go with him than the the husband i don't know i i'm just i don't i thought it was why you know yeah i just thought it was weird especially with like his whole oh was your dick out oh no you know no that's what you would say (laughs) if you wanted me to see your dick like that just it felt weird but with the husband making that comment about like the very handsome man like it, it would have just and then being paid off 
Like I could have seen them negotiating like a, a, an all expense paid trip to wherever it was, like uh, Vale or whatever, like a U.S. touristy spot that they were. Uh, Leota said, with them negotiating to be like, "Could we have sex with Peacemaker?" Like that would have been like I, I could have yeah. seen that being that big payoff for that entire thing. No, I, but, I like that too for sure. Um, I figured I figured he would just be a cuck, and they would have panned to the other side of the room with him tied to a chair. See, that even would have been that too. That even would have that. been great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, Tied I think up just it, like he was in the apartment, you know, exactly. Like, just, no, he's totally into it. I thought that's what they were going to go with. Not that it gave him anxiety, but that he was into that. Like they played yeah. those two really. Those were great actors that played that couple. But uh, I do agree. The side characters, the, the weird tangent conversations and idiocy, like that's what makes this show the core story of the peacemaker and all that. And the father, eh, whatever, who cares? Like that's the, that's the, unfortunately they call it red meat you know, to keep the fans engaged, I feel like, but really the joy and the, the nonsense uh, that, that James Gunn likes to bring in guardians and suicide squad and everything he does. Like that's the, that's why you show up for the show. It's just ridiculous. And scene has been, <laughs> I have been impressed overall by him as a, a performer, you know, whatever. Like I, I didn't have much of an opinion before. I do really kind of like him now. Uh, and the fact that he's so read into this, like he gets exactly what this is. It's, it's impressive. And it's, it's, I, I'm the joy he brings. He dressed up as peacemaker on one of the late night shows. Like yep. dude's way into this character. And because it's so, much of a farce kind of play off those hyper masculine pro America jingoistic sort of uh yeah all of that so I, I I'm enjoying that uh, aspect of this uh, the show a lot yeah it's definitely it's got its it's got its peaks it's got its valleys but I'm interested to see where the plot takes this whole thing so go check it out on HBO Max if you have it if you've seen the Suicide Squad um you'll be in a better place to know where everything is going. If you have not seen it, I would suggest watching it before watching the show. Cause you'll have a better idea of where everybody's coming from <laughs> because there are a few characters that come from the movie to the series, but uh, it is definitely a very, it, it's an entertaining show from the twisted mind of James Gunn. So check it out. Peacemaker on HBO max. All right, dear listeners, we are so glad you were here with us in the year 2022, continuing on the tradition of listening to Flame On while you are driving or working Pooping. out. I was trying not to go there, BJ. God damn it. <laughs> stop being, stop being a, afraid. Just just embrace it. You listen to podcasts, 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 this is when you poop. I do not. I'm so behind on my podcasts because now that I work from home, it makes life a lot more difficult to like keep up with any audio stuff because I'm on the phones all day. So I was like, ooh, a work from home job. This is going to be fantastic. I can watch. I can catch up on my shows. I can have you know my podcasts on in the background. And then I get a job where I'm on the phone all day. So <laughs> unfortunately, I can't. But when I'm in the car, I do try to catch up as much as I can. But we are glad that you were listening to us, and uh, we're glad to have another year uh, ahead of us with lots of pop culture and lots of topics for us to talk about. If you would like to uh, keep up with our shenanigans, go check out our website, flameonshow.com, and there you can find all of our 
uh, social media. You can find where you can watch and join us on YouTube and on Twitch and all of those good things. You can also find our Threadless shop where you can help support our show by purchasing some Flame On swag. And it also has a link to our Patreon. Patreon is where we uh, put up some great exclusive content. You get these episodes early. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've got a couple of house members that I got to reach out to again and see if any of them want to join us on a future episode. That is one of the perks for our house members. But there are four great levels for you to join at, all with unique perks. And uh, yeah, you help us continue on uh, making the show that you enjoy listening to and that we enjoy making. So we thank you for that. Go check it out at patreon.com forward slash flame on show. And again, our website is flameonshow.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. We've made it to our final topic of the month. BJ, what you got for us? Um, what I have is a name and that name you need to put respect on. And that name is Cypher Doug Krakoa. Because, or Cypher Doug, Doug Cypher of the House Krakoa. Um, because he has done the thing that I have been waiting for. And that has put goddamn Professor Xavier and Magneto in their place. But I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Uh, I am talking about the event of Inferno, which is, I believe, John Hickman's uh, final story of his new uh, Age of Krakoa uh, X-Men titles. Um, It is the final event. Um, I have a lot of feelings and opinions, but pretty much to round out the event, uh, it pretty much resets Moira. Uh, McTaggart uh, takes her out of the out of the board as Moira X, secret mutant. Um, the council is now one hundred percent privy to all of uh, Professor Xavier and Magneto's dealings with Moira and everything they know about the potential futures. Um, how the machine uh, mutant war is inevitable, um, and there's a chance that most of the time mutants lose. So, um, it is honestly, I, it ended exactly how I wanted it to end. Cause I don't want the Kokoa era to just be washed away because mutants have gotten such a shit rain over the past. Like, I don't know how long, um, just, just with kind of Marvel has 
Marvel kind of went from putting them on the back burner to bringing them back, uh, having a couple of decent books, but um, ultimately they they weren't doing much with them. And then with uh, Hickman coming in with his uh, Age of Krakoa and the X Men um, and all the new X books, it's been phenomenal. They're almost I don't think there's been a single X book I haven't enjoyed, um, and it's been a long time since I could say that. Um, I gotta hand it to Mystique. <laughs> uh, ruining shit for everybody as per usual. Um, but uh, no, it was it was pretty pretty fantastic. That, but the highlight of the whole thing for me is Cipher, uh, Cipher, Krakoa, and Warlock having their own little cabal monitoring Moira and Professor Xavier and everybody, and kind of creating this era of no more secrets. None. We're we're done with that. That part of the the story is over. And it's been about fucking time. So, um, uh, Pat, I think you literally are you are you finishing it right now? Or? I'm finishing it as we speak. I'm in <laughs> I'm, I'm in I'm in a very tenuous moment of. Uh... Let me let me buy Pat some time here. So, I uh, I want to like this a lot more than I did. I longtime listeners of the show or or comic book bears where I've talked about this a lot uh, lately. Even it's. Hickman's one of my favorite writers. I love him. I love his work. I love his his aesthetic. I love his process. Uh, he's a planner. He builds engineering, design, crazy high-level story Bibles before he dives in. He knows the ending every time he starts a project, or you like to think he does. He may not, but like he anyway, all that being said, I know the circumstances of why he left are unfortunate. You know, opportunities present himself. He's doing this amazing Substack thing that I'm actually a a member of, and they're building this whole world over there with some of the same people from the X books. Actually, uh, Teeny Howard's over there working with him, and um, Rom V and uh, Al Ewing. Anyway, uh, point is Hickman's fine. He is his choice of projects, and I think he loved the fact that the world he set up was so popular that they didn't want it to go away, which was his original plan. Because again, Hickman plans out everything. He had this ending in mind that was going to resolve everything and sort of reset the status quo. And that didn't happen. And that, I think that, 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 that we didn't get to see that. And even if it happens later, whatever, I, I'm disappointed because I don't think Hickman will be the one to land it. And he's he he believes and has said very publicly that he's really excited about the writers, uh, Duggan, uh, Al Ewing, what people we just mentioned, Benjamin Percy, like like they're going to keep this going. Uh, Viteala, uh, so many great writers are going to get to play in this world for a lot longer, and so that's exciting. However, I was just so disappointed. <laughs> when the, a the fact that Moira just it, over over four issues became this bad person. And, and not bad person. They, they didn't put a mustache on her and all that crap. But to to kind of take this person who over many lifetimes and over many years of, of comics has been a friend to the X-Men, has been this, you know, tragic figure who loses her son with her with these mutant powers, uh, Proteus, uh, to then kind of take her and sort of go, oh, well, now you, you just want to cure mutants. You just want to get rid of them. Um, we hate you. Goodbye. Uh, now we're going to try to kill you. And then, you know, the, the other shenanigans that unfolded, it, it was just, 
I was disappointed that we didn't get to see more of how that transition happened. Uh, Hickman probably, and if he had stuck around, could have told that organically over however many more, you know, books. And, and they wanted to do a Moira book. I guess Al Ewing was, a, was supposed to be doing a Moira book. Yeah. And that didn't happen. Um, Did that so, com- is that completely gone? Because I know that there was a Moira X book. Well, it, it got shelved. Partly, I think, because of the pandemic, they had to cut back, um, is what I remember reading. However, have, I guess neither of you have read uh, X Lives or X Deaths of Wolverine. Uh, no, I still have to. I, I was going to say that case that I think the second issue just dropped. Right. X Deaths of Wolverine just came out. Yeah. So X Lives, X Deaths. And the reason we're talking about this, we're going to focus on Inferno, but it, it continues Moira's story. So I don't know if this is something that... Um, I mean, it's just something up the the rest of the writers now, and, the, and if they want to do a book, if they think it'll work, they will. I I don't know. I her status quo now is is interesting. I I guess it's interesting. So I should take apart my emotional connection or feelings for the character and go, what is interesting? Is it interesting to have this sympathetic character who, you know, by living countless lives, they're not countless, but you know, eleven lives or whatever, you know, all these permutations and resetting reality. Like, is that? is she still sympathetic at this point? You know, she did want to cure mutants. She did want to do all this stuff. Like it's interesting now to see her as a fugitive from Krakoa or at least from mystique really. Yeah. Well, it's, well, it's interesting because so the way I viewed it is that all this time, it, it wasn't so much her just trying to cure them. It was her creating kind of a sandbox. It's kind of like a final experiment. It's like, she set it up. So, it, the choice is not on humanity. It is on mutants. It is on mutants to accept her cure or go into what she knows as, as a mostly losing battle. And once you're approached with a potential impossible situation or an easy way out. So it's, it's more about, it's more about survival or fight. And that's pretty much at the end of the day, her plan was to force mutant kind. Eventually you'll give them this great era. You could show them what they can accomplish, but then you show them, but this is what's waiting for us on the other side. And here is a, a cure, which is more about because, because I like that they actually explained how her cure works is that you give it to the children, right? And then once uh, that way, the children won't know what they've lost. They won't understand what they've lost. So for the adult mutants, it's too late. But for future generations, they could just opt out of ever having to fight that fight. Yeah. So it's weird. They've done this before, though, with the cure concept. So this isn't new ground. Yeah. I just uh, I don't know. I didn't I didn't love it when those previous storylines happened, but they were uh, external characters. I think Beast had a storyline where he was confronted and wanted to take the cure and all that stuff. But uh-huh. like, none of them have been like, no, we should, we need to quote unquote, you know, euthanize, but we need to like sterilize or eugenicize uh, to, to, to take away these things for our children. I, I don't know. I just don't like it. That's all it is. Now, having said that, I did really enjoy the epic Magneto Xavier battle in space uh, yes. against Nimrod and uh, the Omega Sentinel karma. I believe I oh, yeah. love this is probably Hickman's best that was idea. On Earth. That was on Earth. Uh, it oh, was, yeah. that was in the, the it, space it, station. Terra Verde. 
It was T. I was at Terra Verde. Oh, I totally missed that. Um, yeah. So, so uh, I love that battle, and I love the idea. This is Hickman. I, Hickman must have had like a quick hit list of like these are my main points. I want to at least make sure get in there. And one of them is having the, the the days of future past idea turned on its head, where you have a machine that goes back. I mean, it's it's Terminator kind of, but like yeah. you know, you have a machine that goes back in time to uh, to in the same body to sort of change the future so to speak so i love that that idea with karma and i love the fact that because they died they won't remember uh it's because xavier and magneto die uh defending or trying to find moira and she's not there anyway uh they they find this out and then they they get killed they get resurrected but you know that Um, that whole thing though the best part of that to me was they finally finally fucked over humanity is fucked and not by mutants. And that is the best part of this whole thing is Nimrod and Omega Sentinel being like, like on the grand scale of things, you guys aren't even pawns on this chessboard. You are fodder for us. And I'm like, like that whole thing where I'm just, where, 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 what did she say? She said, uh, she said the moment she's like, uh, he's like, we'll die for humanity. And she's like, and you will. <laughs> the moment you walked through that portal, you signed your own death warrant. And I was like, even Magneto and Xavier were like, oh no, because that, I think it was, it was an episode of the cartoon. The cartoon covered that whole thing where they had first built mother mold and uh, mother molds building other master molds. And all of a sudden they're collecting humans. And I think it's uh, Smythe, not Smythe. That's Alistair Smythe from Spider-Man. Um, uh, I can't remember uh, the guy that the family that creates the Sentinels usually um, he is like, why are you doing this? You're supposed to attack mutants. And Mother Mole just looks at him and goes, humans are mutants. Mutants come from humans. So therefore we should get rid of you as well. And I'm like, yeah. why, why, why does nobody ever consider this? No, no, it's Hickman's Hickman is an X-Men fan from when he was a kid. He yeah. has been steeping this stuff for so many years, to, and he's had this great idea for I think over a decade is when he think he when he first got to Marvel he pitched this, and I think it was like mm, not yet, um, and because of the Fox he actually talked about this too on a podcast actually Jay and uh, Miles explained the X Men, uh, you know friends of the show I mean we <laughs> we've met them. <laughs> Friends? Um, question mark. Friends. Um, and their podcast <laughs> is amazing. Not sell friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but no, like Hickman said, he's like the Fox deal absolutely t- put a, a brakes on X books and and Marvel stopped doing big projects with them because of the whole Fox uh, rights thing. He confirmed it. So you know he wanted to do this story years ago, but he is such an X Men fan that i believe and i gotta go back now and reread uh, powers of x and power powers of 10 house of 10 all that stuff house of x i, I want to go back and sort of see how it all sort of fits as at least sort of bookends but they're not and that's i think the fundamental thing that is going to gnaw at me is i want to see hickman's plan i want to see how he would have landed the ship i like the finished product that hickman usually delivers and in this case, I'm just always going to have this feeling of like, uh, what could have been now, best case they play in this universe. They do all kinds of crazy shit. They bring Hickman back in however many years when they want to do a reset and he yeah. gets to do this. 
because then, okay, I, I, my completeness or my whatever, I'll, I'll feel better. But overall, it's just a lot of stuff to do in four issues. Also, one thing it suffers from is um, people talking a lot. And this is a Hickman problem across the board. He, he loves to just have characters talking. And that's fine. A lot of it's great dialogue. I mean, he's really good at that. But um, not as always exciting and dynamic as a comic book could be. Um, yeah, I don't know. I have very mixed feelings about the Inferno series. And I do want to talk about X, Lives, and Deaths because it it, it really carries this torch into a new era and in a, in a way that I, I can't wait for you guys to, to read. Um, but we'll talk about it, I'm sure, next yeah. month or at some point. <laughs> but yeah, so like... I'm like some more highlights. Um, the fact that there is apparently a future where mutants do kind of get everything they want. And that, that version of Omega Sentinel came from it. Like, I love, I love that. I love how she spilled the beans of that. The children of the vault aren't, aren't going to win. Um, I, I like this whole idea that not only, not only, have we deviated from Moira's plan? We've completely deviated from Mystique's plan and we've deviated. We're now in this unknown territory about the future. And I like that, like the way it wasn't, it wasn't a big grand finale. You're 100% all right on that. It's, it wasn't a huge grand finale and it was more just like a steady drumbeat. Um, but like I said, the things that I wanted that I've been waiting for, for years is is just the whole idea that we're going to we're going to take away because the thing that's always bothered me about Professor Xavier is he has no problem keeping secrets from the people closest to him, but even if those secrets negatively affect them, he still keeps them, and and he'll do that for the better. In the past, he did that for the betterment of human mutant relationships, and to come to this island. And preach all of this togetherness and and everything, you know, at the behest of one person. You know, granted, she's given them a lot. She, she's given them a, a firm foundation and a plan. But to do that at the behest of one person and not these people that you've taught, fought beside, like... Cypher, like I said, Cypher has given me the gift of 2022, and that is enough. And, and, and I was going to say Emma Frost, like Emma Frost being like, nope, no more. We're done with this. Like gave me, it gave me, honestly, I wish there was almost an issue afterwards. Cause you're right. It does kind of give you this like, holy shit, here's the cliff. Nobody's jumping. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it gave me everything I, I wanted out of Hickman's run. Um, I, I understand that like Marvel itself did not want the Krakoa era to end. Um, so this was kind of his, the best way he could do this. Um, well, neither did Hickman, by the way, let's, let's oh, yeah. be very he, clear. He, was gonna say, he loved it too. He was very happy to hand the torch to his writers because he really, I think values what he has built, <laughs> not in the story. Like the story that he had is to him, I'm sure very precious, but what was more exciting and more worthwhile to him, and he's this way with all of his artists and all of his Hickman is a very giving person as far as like, you know, helping other people build their careers. I mean, you have countless stories about people, artists who've worked with him. Um, anyway, all I'm saying is like he was so thrilled that these writers that he had been collaborating with had now this platform 
of their own to keep telling great stories. And so I, he, he's a hundred percent behind this. Uh, it wasn't just Marvel, like, you know, Oh, we want to keep this cash cow going. But yeah, having said that, uh, <laughs> I, I still, I still want to see, I want Hickman's, I want Hickman's, uh, alternate, you know, uh, I want his notes. I want his, uh, whatever he did, his giant, uh, sticky note board, uh, <laughs> on his wall. But what I really want to know is what did Pat think? Cause I think he finished. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm done. I'm done. I'm confused because if I think back to House House of X Powers of 10, this wasn't Moira's final life. Right. She gets one more. If she's yeah. lucky. If she's well, lucky, that was the comment. Well, not anymore. <laughs> and that's the well, thing. Well, we mean, don't know that. I, yeah, like that's... So the cure could be she's lost her mutant power, which means she won't regenerate or whatever. But... Who said you can't undo this? Like, there's going to be a way back. And and the original thing Hickman wrote was, yeah, she gets one more like if one more life if she's lucky and whatever the hell that means, right? Yeah. So well, no, 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 not one more life. You're mis you're misquoting it. Oh, okay. because that wasn't that wasn't the life prior where Destiny and Misty killed her. She they said that she gets ten lives, eleven, 11. if she plays if she plays her cards right. Or like, okay. or if she's lucky, something like that. Something but like it was it, because it tied into the whole Moira X. It, it tied into the Ten Lives, House Powers, all of that. Right. Um, but this is nine. Oh, I thought this was ten. No, this is nine. This is oh. nine because that was the big mystery. Was everything during that whole run? We kept getting these timelines, and we kept getting like seeing you know these pieces of all these different times, and her ninth life was the one that was kind of avoided. And then we come to find out that we are living like this series is living through her ninth life. So I'm confused at how this rounded out with this all happening, but I mean, it's a comic things change, things happen. Um, I think it had some great moments. I, I don't, I, I agree with what you're, what you all said about like, Moira all of a sudden becoming this kind of villainish person, not necessarily an outright villain, but um, I love the fact that Doug essentially like that warlock was being fed off of and kind of created the quote unquote nervous system of mm-hmm. Krakoa and that he had been eavesdropping on Moira's no place, which seems like he should have had consent first. Uh, <laughs> Before he, her, before her no no plus, her, her no no plus. Wash my derriere, wash my <laughs> no no plus, wash me. I think Brian's the only one that knows that because I showed him back on Mad TV, like back, back, back in the day. They did a pop up video skit to Alanis Morissette, but instead of thank you, it was wash me. And one of the lines that she sings is, uh, you know, wash my derriere, wash my nono plus. It's one of those things that stays with you. What do the what do the kids call it? A core memory? That was well <laughs> after my core memories were all uh, were all made. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, overall, I it's tough because I read half of it back when the first two issues came out, and then it's been a couple of it's been a little while, so I don't have as fresh of a memory. Um, I do agree on the the Xavier Magneto fight. That was uh, pretty cool. I got a little lost and confused. I think maybe just because I was trying to read it quickly. 
about the uh, Omega Sentinel Nimrod piece of it and how Orcus came about and replacing the eyes and making the person think that, you know, the doctor, the human think that she saved him, the whole thing. Like, Orcus is a very interesting thing. There are so many loose ends that haven't been wrapped up from this run, this first act of the Krakoan age. I mean, the children of the vault to see that brought back up in reference that they're going to come, but they would, you know, they would lose to essentially apocalypse and uh, the Iraqo forces. I, I stories like this always fall flat for me because they're comics. They're not TV shows. They're not movies where when it's over, it's over. We're wrapping up a story like, you know, these big productions lead to other stories. So there's always fallout. There's always things that are going to happen. And there's very few times that there is ever a, a climax that's satisfying because we know that it'll eventually get changed. I'm also a little upset because I, I, I don't like when titles of things are reused, especially when they are ones that I kind of hold special. So the Inferno moniker um, goes back to the 80s and was one of the first, I think, X-Men big crossover storylines that I really read when I was younger. Um, part of my my association with the Goblin Queen becomes comes from that. Uh, naming my dog Madeline <laughs> also stems from it. So to be to have this used for this kind of storyline felt a little like weird. But in the Hickman age, it kind of seems like some of these things are are recycled for that purpose to evoke those memories of past. But um, yeah, it's it. it Overall, I think it was a good storyline. I've loved just about everything that the the Hickman run of the X-Men has brought us. I'm interested to see where it all goes. And I wasn't looking forward to reading uh, Lives and Deaths of Wolverine. But uh, if this is if that's going to be where like the story from Moira will, will roll to, then I'm going to check it out. And I look forward to seeing what these next titles will bring the X-Men line because I've really enjoyed the, the, the Dawn of X, the reign of, but reign of X is next, right? Is that what it's being called? Is Dawn of X. Now we're, I think going into the reign of X. I, that, that, yes. Let's go. With yeah. This. Um, I, I do want to, sure. I do want to just put this in very contemporary, uh, 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 analogy here. So X deaths or death. Yeah. X deaths or 10 deaths of Wolverine is to, um, uh Moira I guess or no is to Mag is to Wolverine what uh the latest episode of Boba Fett is to Boba Fett <laughs> so if you've seen the latest episode of Boba Fett uh he's not in it at all and that's kind of where this this new um this ex death uh, of Wolverine is it's all about Moira the whole thing it's just it's a Moira thing so <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's I, I would even say you don't have to read the first issue, the X Lives. You could just read X Deaths by itself. Totally. Well, aren't, aren't there like five issues of each? Uh, I think they're kind of doing like this one at a time, alternating bi-weekly. It's, or like, it's like House and Powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but I'm just saying like for some reason, if you just want to dive right in to see what happens with Moira, it, it's, it's all there. I also wanted to confirm that it is indeed her 10th life that she is on. Uh, I found the 
crazy graphic that Hickman loves to do. Uh, <laughs> and it, it shows the timelines and we are on her 10th or she is on her 10th life. Uh, so those are the ones that are all drawn out. The ninth was the uh, apocalypse war variant that they, I think may have showed glimpses from, but um, yeah. Yeah. That, that was, that was the one uh, where they, they put her in stasis and it actually went all the way Wolverine. Um, they got all the way to where humanity was ascending to the phalanx and they got all the information on Nimrod in the future. And he gave that to her and then killed her. Ah, oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. When she it, looked super cool as Lady Apocalypse. She yes. did, right? Oh my God. What a great look. Yeah. Ooh, so I much. Don't, I don't know. That, that, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I it's guess confusing. that's. confusing. It is so confusing. And that's another thing about Hickman's stuff is you really have to sit there and read his graphics. You got to read all the text in this stupid i mean like that's one thing that i wish that hickman when he left they had taken that because honestly it's comics i'm not against reading but man when i hit a wall of prose in a comic book oh it just it's like slamming into a wall just no <laughs> i just need somebody out there who has translated all of the krakoan text in the books to just oh. like put it all out there they've gotten away from that too haven't they interesting have yeah. they I haven't I seen that in forever since Apocalypse or A well, or whatever. Well, they've symbol. been they've been alternating through through like with the X Men, the current X Men comics. Uh, they do this thing where they alternate. They they like there's uh, an issue where they meet with the High Evolutionary, um, and the opening blurb is Mister Sinister talking shit about the High Evolutionary, um, which is a fantastic issue by the way because the High Evolutionary decides to talk shit to Rogue of all people. Um, and she lays him the fuck out. So it's that whole that whole fight with High Evolutionary is fantastic. I'm gonna need to catch up. I'm behind. I'm so behind on all the other books. I need to catch up. But uh, that is the Inferno uh, miniseries, as uh, chatted about by us. Eric is now coming out of his uh, stasis to rejoin the <laughs> to rejoin the crew. Huh? What happened? <laughs> nothing it's all been a dream it's all been a dream all right thank you all dear listeners for again continuing to uh listen and be a part of our podcast experience we are so glad to have you along for the ride check us out online at flameonshow.com you can check out our social media our youtube the rainbow spotlight series our Twitch channels, all of that goodness. I think I might be the only one still twitching on a fairly regular basis right now. I'm waiting for my new game to drop. I'm Girl. waiting for not having too much to do. <laughs> like when the <laughs> Omicron thing happened, I thought, oh, I'm going to finally get back to Twitch streaming again. And nope. Yeah, it happens. It happens. But I'm glad you're still out there putting content out. Uh, the, the my, game my once show. a week game night hey it's fun and i'm bad i'm sad i can't make it uh unfortunately that is my curling league night and uh otherwise when that season when the season changes or you move it again i might be able to participate <laughs> i don't know i don't think it's moving again if it moves again i'm probably just stopping but <laughs> it's, it's definitely been fun uh but check us out flameonshow.com uh patreon.com forward slash flameonshow is where you can join our patreon family 
uh, four different levels for you to join at. Go check go check it out. Join at the level you most enjoy. Lots of perks for all of the levels there. So check it out. All right. We've made it to the final segment of our show. God, I really felt like pop culture happy hour for a second there. It is the point where we listen to the tippity tappities of the typewriter. <laughs> Sorry, I had something come over the ether on my uh, teletype. <laughs> It's the ASMR segment of our show. (laughs) Too many tappities. All right, y'all. It is our one-ups segment. Uh, (laughs) This is where we talk about the thing that is giving us life, or in most of our cases, the multiple things that are giving us life this month. Let us start with BJ. (laughs) So I've got another comic book uh, X-Men related thing for my one-up. Um, it is the trial of Magneto. Um, cause I don't spoil too much. I still haven't caught up on that either. All right. Oh my God. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it honestly round, it finally rounds out this whole thing with Wanda and the mutants. Um, it does it in such a really sweet way. Um, it's, it's the thing I've been enjoying a lot about um, some of the Marvel comics I've been reading is they've eased up on shitting on mutants, then they've eased up on shitting on Wanda, finally. Um, but it's it's cute, and it, it, it makes the whole idea of um, the mutant resurrection process uh, a lot bigger. Um, so I will, I, will, I will not say exactly what happens at the end, but it... Honestly, is a really happy ending, and I'm very excited for the future of Scarlet Witch and Magneto in the in the comics. So, um, Pat, catch up on that. That's my next one. That's I had to I had to I had to ask if the, if the issues were were up on the on the app. So, I at least got I got listen I got Inferno read by like halfway through our conversation <laughs> with them about it. I will get. I I think I'm. It's what four issues? Yes, I think I read the first two when they came out. So yeah. I'll read the other two, and then yeah, I'll, I'll be all caught up. Awesome, Trial of Magneto. It was I like the first two issues, so I'm excited to to watch it unfold in uh, yeah. issues three and four. Brian, what is your one up? So as alluded to earlier, if you are a current Peacock uh, subscriber. Or you want to watch the first episode, um, a new documentary series that is very near and dear to some of our hearts here on Flame On uh, came out called American Rock Stars. And it is all about curling, specifically Team Schuster uh, covering their uh, 2018 gold medal winning uh, uh, game. Uh, and a lot- the pod, John Schuster. Yes, yes. Uh, we all yeah. met him once, so therefore, deep front of the pod. <laughs> Listen, some of us are in chat groups with uh, him and his I, I've worn his know. gold medal, so. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> Wait, no, did, did, uh, was, that, was that when I asked him, like, if you could wear it? <laughs> was that was that um, it? I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's a, American Rockstars, uh, it is all about, it is mostly about their road to the current olympics in um shanghai this year beijing Uh, beijing oh my god sorry uh (laughs) 
Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> listen, hey, listen. I got asked the other day how I felt about the watching the 22, 2022 Olympics because of the issues with the Uyghurs, and my brain about shut down. And I was like, I, uh, oh my God. Anyway, point is, China sucks. Um, but the, uh, the people are amazing. But the, um, the show is American Rockstars. It is their journey to the Olympics. It goes in and talks to each one of them. So you see their family. I mean, you get to spend a lot of time watching people talk. Uh, about curling and their lives and the, 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 the variety of personalities that curlers uh, uh, have. Um, and it's as heartwarming as anything. It's just, they're all delightful people um, and uh, narrated by uh, Nick Offerman. So what's not to love about that? You can just sit there and let him fill your ear holes with magic. Uh, anyway. Mm. So yes. Is that American what we're um, American rock stars. I don't remember how many Eric. How many episodes? Is it like eight, six. It's five? It's, it's four half hour episodes. Oh, four. Oh, easy day. So just bang those eight, out. Six, in between. Twenty-seven. Four. Four. <laughs> four. Fucking uh, can't even keep track of what day it is. Um, Time is a construct. It's fine. Exactly. <laughs> Buy gold. Um, yeah, four episodes. You, you know, you should alternate them between your archive eighty-one episodes, <laughs> just to give a little bit of a spacer palate cleanser. I think that'll work out pretty well. Um, and also, curling is now on Peacock, so I'm not trying to shill for NBC because I don't care. But I did just go and get the subscription because of American Rock Stars, and you can watch all the Olympic um, coverage uh, through Peacock, including the curling matches. So, of course, um, yeah. American rock stars on Peacock. The only way I feel like it could be a, a, an even better show is if Curl by Colton was the uh, the theme song. I am. They left money on the table there. I mean, seriously, like, uh, honestly, yeah. honestly, I actually just, I just had them add the, uh, the entirety of the Colton library that I purchased <gasps> to the karaoke system where I, where I work now. <laughs> And I did Ikea for the first time here in Chicago. Yay. Did they, did everybody love it or go, what? I mean, I think it was more just, huh? Oop. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think there was one or two people jamming out about, you know. Oh, the song's over? I should clap now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. No, that doesn't happen. Most of the time I have to pull a Jeb Bush and go, please clap. Oh. <laughs> please snap. <laughs> oh. Please bend and snap. <laughs> works every time all right eric let's throw it over to you what's your one up well i know we were talking about not wanting to sign up for more streaming services but i may have to finally break down and get prime video because my one up is for um the trailer to legend of vox machina um which is an animated adaptation of the f- of a campaign of Critical Role, uh, which Critical Role, if you don't know, is a D&D podcast slash live stream um, starring a bunch of voice actors um, from the Hollywoods. And it's been going since uh, 2015. And so this is an animated series that takes place in between their first two campaigns. Um, it's almost like if you remember the Dungeons and Dragons Saturday morning cartoon from back in the late eighties. Yes. 
this is going to be like an adult version of that. But not they they were human and went to the land of D&D. It's just the land of D&D. But it's uh, with violence and alcohol and swearing and all kinds of shenanigarnery. Um, but it premieres January 28th, tomorrow, because we're recording on the 27th. Um, so it will probably already be out if you're listening to this. Um, and there's going to be 12 episodes in the first season. So I am looking forward to it. Very nice. Is that it? I'm, I mean, I know Brian stole your other one, but... Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, okay. Just check it. Just check it. <laughs> check it in. Um, I forgot that. Oh, so, t- so tomorrow is my mom's birthday, so... She doesn't listen to this, but happy birthday, mom. Uh, (laughs) And then I was like, wait a minute. There are so many things that I knew were coming out on the 28th. And I was like, what else? What else? And I'm sure I know there's a bunch of other things. Like, I'm sure there's shows that are premiering besides besides that one that I I knew about. But that's right. Spiritual Machines 2 comes out tomorrow. And I'm super excited about that. If if you like Our Lady Peace at all, then Spiritual Machines is like a seminal piece of amazingness um, that they put out years ago, and this is the the, the sequel to it. I'm I, I I I've heard bits and pieces of some of the songs that they released in anticipation of it, but I'm excited for that. Anyway, all right, that was not my one up. That was just a thing that popped into my head. Like, oh shit, I should probably That's an extra. This is yeah, extra extra. Um, so I, I, I am going to talk, um, I have a couple of small things, but I, I do have some music stuff right before Christmas. I was about a week or two behind the, the, the curve on this, but, uh, I've brought up Haley Kiyoko as my one up a couple of times in the past. You all know how much I love lesbian Jesus. <laughs> she had been doing a lot of like Facebook I, I know they're now spaces on Twitter. I forget like what the, the like the little like live rooms that Facebook, I forget what they call them, whatever. But she had been doing these things with Fletcher, who I had never heard of before. And I was just like, all right, whatever. I, I didn't pay much attention to it. And then I saw that they were releasing a song called Cherry. I said, okay, cool, cool. Still didn't really pay much mind to it. And then I was, I, I was working one day and I just happened to go look for something else on YouTube and the video for Cherry was there. And it was like a week. Like it had been out for about a week. And I, I watched it. And instantly fell in love with the song. And the fact that the premise of the video. And the song is like. This girl meeting another girl. And just you know. Like hitting it off. And wanting to have her on top of her. Like a cherry. Um, and then watching the video. It's Haley Kyoko. It's Fletcher. And they're both cherry is this girl and they're both romancing her and then both roll up to her house at the same time and then the girl's like we'll just come on inside and then they're just going in for a threesome and i'm like this is this is the gay content that i am here for (laughs) that led me to start diving into fletcher's music and I think she's my lesbian Holy Spirit. Like, I can't... I don't think she's lesbian God. She doesn't take the title lesbian Jesus away from from Haley. But lesbian Holy Spirit, totally there. The music is uh, is is usually sad. 
which right in my wheelhouse. So that's huge. And uh, it, it's been it's been on replay a lot. There, there's very few times lately that you would hear me look, listening to music, and it's not Fletcher. Um, All love, uh, bitter, um, sex with my ex. Um, there's all this stuff. Apparently, one of the EPs that she put out uh, is literally just kind of the breakup of her and her uh, girlfriend uh around going into quarantine and then the videos like the video for sex with my ex is like her and her ex i guess filmed during the initial lockdown so i mean it's lesbian uh lesbian tropes for you right there but i love it uh if you haven't listened go check it out and uh she she liked one of my tweets so i was very excited about that <laughs> uh spinning onto the the homosexual side of music Darren Hayes has released his first new music in 10 years. And I am so happy. Um, It just came out, I want to say, a day or so ago. Maybe. When I talk really high, I'm trying to figure it out. (laughs) Um, I want to get the title right because that's important. Let's Try Being in Love is the name of the song. It just released in the last couple of days. He also released a music video for it. And it stars, uh, opposite Darren, it stars the arguably hotter Evans brother. And that's only because he is a homosexual. But Scott Evans is uh, the other lead in the music video. And I'm very excited because if I'm not mistaken, this is the first music video that Darren Hayes has put out where he's actually a homosexual in the, in the video. Because when Savage Garden came to prominence, it was kind of a guarded thing. And then even after coming out and being an out artist, all of his music videos were very much heteronormative relationships. And he there was a woman involved. And I mean, this one, there is a woman involved because she's married to one of them. But, you know, it's Darren's wife. And then, yeah, it's interesting. But it gets very steamy at some points, too. And seeing Scott Evans, uh, seeing Scott Evans do the the whole like coming out of a pool wet and furry chested is, uh, is is fantastic. So I recommend watching the video and listening to the song. Very eighties uh, synth pop feel to it. So if that's your jam, you'll enjoy it even more. And then the last thing that I'm going to mention is uh, the new Hulu series "How I Met Your Father." This product. For the most part, not this exact one, because it, originally the spinoff was going to be How I Met Your Dad. Uh, that ended up getting shelved and, and sat around for a while. New... How I Met Your Daddy. <laughs> uh, this is a How I Met Your Poppy. <laughs> girl, girl. <laughs> I can't. I can't with you. Uh, this was a new uh, creative team that came in and retooled the 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 premise in the show. And uh, turned it into How I Met Your Father. Hilary Duff is your main character, uh, who I've grown to really enjoy Hilary Duff. Uh, I enjoyed some of her music, when she was a, a teeny bopper pop star. And then she went into acting more so. And uh, I know younger, she was actually pretty, pretty acclaimed for her role on the show. And now she's uh, Sophie on How I Met Your Father. 
Kim Cattrall plays the older version. And in a twist, you see Kim Cattrall. You don't see the kid. So she's talking to her son on like a video screen because it's the future. Uh, I, I don't remember what year in the future. But she calls him on the video phone and essentially tells him that she's about to tell him this long ass story uh, where she gets uh, freaky deaky and dirty. So it's kind of a take on the whole premise of, of older Ted telling the story, but done really well. And because it is a much more diverse cast of characters, the big thing to kind of help hide the identity of the father is that you don't see what the child looks like, which is fantastic. There are some loving nods back to the original series. At the end of the first episode, they go into one of the guy's apartments and you notice the door and then they open it and it's Ted and uh, Marshall's old apartment or Lillian Marshall's old apartment, including the swords. They got them. They tell them this old couple from the uh, Wesleyan Alumni Society sold them the apartment and they uh, convinced them to throw the swords in and they pan the, the room and it's the old apartment. And it's just, Aww. it's just such a lovely nod to the show. And I've enjoyed it. I've watched the first two episodes. A new one uh, came out before we recorded. I barely had time to read Inferno before we started recording. So I did not have time to watch. Uh, I had to watch four episodes of Peacemaker to have something to talk about today. But I am excited to watch the next episode of How I Met Your Father. I'm really happy with this being the successor to to the, the mantle of, uh, of How I Met Your Mother. And uh, so yeah, How I Met Your Father is on Hulu. It's a Hulu exclusive. Go check out Darren Hayes' new single. And... Uh, <coughs> Check out Fletcher. All right, y'all. It's been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. We'll be back in two weeks with another micro. I believe we're going to be talking Doctor Who on that episode. So uh, more things for me to watch this weekend so I can join in the <laughs> chats. And uh, But until then, dear listeners, we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. See you. Later. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.